Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I just wanted to make sure you were listening to podcasts on Spotify. Here's how you do it. First, search for your favorite podcast on Spotify's app. They have a library of over 750,000 pods at this point. So let's say you're searching for the Rewatchables or the Dave Chang Show or the Ringer NBA Show. Once you find them, click on the follow button. That's how you subscribe. Then click on those letters near the top of the app that say podcasts. All the pods you're following will pop up separated by episodes, downloads, and shows. Wait, it gets better. On Spotify, you can adjust the speed of the pods to seven different speeds. 0.5 times is the slowest. I actually sound drunk at 0.5. You can do 0.8 times, 1.2 times, which is my favorite. Everyone sounds like they just had a good cup of coffee. And then there's 1.5 times, two times. And if you're completely insane, three times. Anyway, Spotify's app connects directly to many of the best automobiles in the world. It even has a CarPlay feature that's pretty cool. Best of all, it's free. Download Spotify on any device and you're good to go. Should you be embarrassed that you're not listening to podcasts on Spotify? Well, I don't want to app shame you, but the answer, unfortunately, is yes. Make the move. Listen to podcasts on Spotify. Back to yours. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Juliette. Week four? Is that what this is? Week four of Jam Session at Home? It could be four. It could be five. I honestly, Who counting knows? hasn't been on my priorities at this at this point. I don't I don't have to teach a child how to do third grade math, oh my God. so I'm not in on that. Good luck to all those who are. A friend of mine was telling me that she's teaching her two sons, one, how to count via like money and the other how to read. Like he's like learning addition and counting from money and her other son is learning how to read. So that's and like plus she has a full time job. So it's insane. Shout out to parents and teachers. We don't know how they do it. Yes. We respect you. And also we won't be teaching any math or reading here on this podcast. Maybe no. we're not teaching reading. We're celebrating reading. We're Yeah, sure. Um, let's get into it. At some point, we'll just have to become a royal and other celebrity news podcast, but not now. But yet we're starting with some royal news. We're also going to hit some other celebrities, namely Nicole Richie, Anna Garten, Jake Gyllenhaal, John Krasinski, Florence Pugh, a whole plethora, a wide range. But first, Meghan and Harry made an announcement, which they said they didn't want to make right now, but like felt they had to, about what their new charity is called, and it's called Archwell. And the reason it came out is because they filed a um, copyright application, and as a result, the name was public. I do give them the benefit of the doubt on I filing... Do the copyright thing and then people sorting through paperwork and having nothing else to do and needing news and also being difficult on these people. Like I actually do timing wise, believe them. They're allowed to file a, a copyright. It's how business works. I don't know why it's we're true. being assholes about it. I will be an asshole about the name. Okay. So thank you. Good transition. According to CNN, the organization's name is not based on their son, Archie Mountbatten Windsor, but rather the Greek word arch meaning source of action. Um, the queen's grandson and his wife said they felt compelled to share the story in light of the planned newspaper coverage. So yeah, Archwell, Amanda, what do you think? I don't love it. I, like I said, I'm going to be an asshole. It feels like some real like millennial pink. I just learned about beans from Alison Roman type nonsense, by the way, I love Alison Roman. That's not a shot at Alison Roman who has made many recipes that I have been enjoying during this time. But it feels really silly. And 
and I don't think the like wrapping it up in, you know, Greek etymology is helping it. Also, I don't understand how Madewell doesn't just have a uh, copyright claim. So oh, interesting. That, I, again, I'm not a lawyer. Unlike Kim Kardashian, I'm not going to law school, so I don't have any advice. I'm just raising the questions. But it absolutely seems like they are just like copying that entire vibe and being like, you like Madewell? Well, you'll also like Archwell. Well, they also said that this is also from CNN. Before Sussex Royal came the idea of Arch, the Greek word meaning source of action, we connected to this concept for the charitable organization we hoped to build one day, and it became the inspiration for our son's name. I think that's kind of weird. I feel like you got to pick one. It can't be both your son's name and the and also your charity. Like, I don't know. J- just pick one. I understand naming is hard, but this seems just like very strange to me. Unless they like want him to inherit it and run it one day, I guess. I, I don't know. I do not believe the retroactive we named our son from the Greek word for uh, source of action. I just don't believe that. And <laughs> and honestly, it's fine to say we really liked the name Archie. And then we also did some reading and learned that this was a Greek word and it made a lot of sense for us. And it combined all of the things we're most passionate about, which is, you know, doing things for other people and also our son who we love. That makes a lot more sense to me. But don't retroactively be like I have been designing this brand around the Greek word for source of action for like four years. Come on. <laughs> Um, no. yeah, it's just, it's bizarre. I agree with you. Or it's also just like not particularly noteworthy. Like, yeah, it's very millennial pink archwell. I'm like, okay, see you on Instagram and I'll scan right past it. Whatever. Um, in other Megan news, we both watched pieces of Megan Markle presents elephants on Disney plus. What'd you think? Sign up for Disney plus just for this. Oh, are you still on a free trial? Yeah, I signed up this morning, so I got six more days. If you have any recommendations, don't send them to me because I won't be using it. I just want to say I think Disney Plus has great programming. It's like more fun to fall into a Disney Plus hole than any other streaming platform. I'm thrilled for you and for the millions of Americans and specifically American children who feel the same way. I think that's great. It's what we need right now in this time. When they put Frozen 2 on Disney Plus early, the text in my friend Stephanie, who has two children, to let her know. And she was like, angels do walk among us because that's <laughs> what parents need right now. So that's great. It's not as much my content. And I was actually, as I pulled up Elephant, uh, narrated by Megan, Duchess of Sussex, I was wondering who the target audience for Elephant narrated by Megan, Duchess of Sussex is, because it's one of those situations where it's like, if I, Amanda Dobbins, am seeking this programming out on Disney Plus, that by definition means that it's like the total opposite of the Disney Plus audience. Like, I don't know who it's for. I don't know who's watching a nature documentary on Disney Plus because Megan narrated it. I think it's like supposed to be for families and it's like okay here's a nice nature documentary to show your kids and for the parents it's like a bonus and like oh it's been narrated by Megan great okay that's my guess I will I will say this I thought she was very good yeah I thought she was good too it's like a pleasant soothing movie it's also really hard to do we obviously don't script anything on this podcast really off the cuff but, but having worked a bit or or seen people who do um, podcast scripts and and do that narration, that tracking, it's really hard. It's hard to make it sound natural. And she, and it's hard to figure out like a tone and a way of telling the story that sounds official and like you're trying, but not too corny. 
And I feel like she has it down. She, it, it is a little bit like she's reading a children's story and this is clearly for children, but that's okay. She's very yeah. good at it. She also, I thought she was with some of like the sillier parts here. You're just sort of like, this is funny that a Royal is reading is, is saying it like about like the elephants farting. She was like playful in the right way. That seemed to catch a lot of people's attention. I wouldn't have noticed it. Like I would have been like, if, if I hadn't seen like a vulture post about it, but like, it just seemed like good natured. When do you think she recorded this? So according to Vanity Fair, she recorded it last fall. So after the Lion King premiere, when Harry was talking to Bob Iger about her doing voice work, but before they officially quit. Well, so apparently she agreed to do this in 2017 because uh, she and Harry visited Botswana to assist the charity Elephants Without Borders. They met the filmmakers of Elephant there and kind of did a test run. And yes, Megan recorded her voiceover last fall in London and apparently brought Harry along for the suggestions. Interesting. So this is like really long standing. Yes, apparently. So we can't we can't credit Harry for getting her this job from the when he saw Bob Iger at the Lion King premiere. Well, not from Bob Iger, though if I'm doing the math right, the recording did happen after the the red carpet situation because the Lion King was last summer. July. Yeah. Yeah. So we could we can, I think we could assume that they were talking about it in some capacity. It's also one of these things where, you know, the idea happened in 2017 on the visit, but as you and I know, and like, it takes a while for contracts to be signed and logistics to be arranged. So I wouldn't be surprised if the contract was unsigned when Harry was pitching on the, on the red carpet. Right. Right. Interesting. But, but the, the sense that they were interested in this before all of the hullabaloo of, of leaving the Royal family. Yes. And that they have been, I guess, passionate about elephants and wanting to be a part of this for a few years. Yes. I guess we can conclude that. I do think it's an interesting, I've been thinking a lot about obviously how celebrities are celebrities right now and what I'm responding to. And a a lot of this with Harry and Meghan is, is bad timing, right? It, it, It just, it's, it's bad timing in terms of filing the trademark, in terms of the exit, just, you know, people have other concerns and it's probably not how they wanted to recreate their new life. And I'm sympathetic to that, but it is just really interesting how the celebrity things that I'm relating to are really personal and really everyone just taken off all of their, their fancy celebrity distance and being very real. And it couldn't be more in opposition with what Harry and Meghan's plan is right now. And again, that's not really their fault because they were designing based on like a totally different paradigm. But the stuff that I'm getting from them right now, which is like a elephant documentary that has been three years in the works and like a trademark for a new charity name that doesn't have really any action is in such, such stark contrast to everything else. And On the one hand, you understand why they wanted to leave the royal family because that was the stuff that was available to them and it does feel so buttoned up and far removed. And on the other hand, I'm just like, what? how are you going to navigate out of this? Yeah, I know. And like, where do you go next, basically? Yeah. Which leads leads us to where should they go next? What do you think? Like, what comes after elephants? And by the way, I believe Natalie Portman had one of these released at the same time and no one cares. She's she's narrating it. Sorry, Natalie Portman. Well, 
I do think the name still has value and we're talking about it. I mean, this is what got me to sign up for Disney plus nothing else. Now I'm deranged and I have very weird <laughs> priorities. So that's probably not saying anything, but it it is, it is notable and they do have power. There was a daily mail piece over the weekend. So take with the requisite mountain of salt about kind of Megan's Hollywood plans. And it was talking about how she only wants to work with A-list directors like Ava DuVernay. And you and I talked a little bit about this. Uh, Ava DuVernay also famously very press forward. So it makes sense for them. And also I thought Selma was a great film. I never saw it. It's great. Okay. Recommend it. I'll check, I'll check it out. I don't know that I think Meghan Markle should be talent. Interesting. What do you think she should be doing then? Just behind the scenes? I think that the Obamas who have a major Netflix production deal um, and to executive produce, which means putting their name on excellent stuff like American Factory, which was a tremendous documentary that was released last year on Netflix. I recommend it. And it did win the best documentary Oscar. That seems like a good model, right? Because you're producing, you can, you, and the Obamas are so far have done primarily sort of issues driven sounds reductive, but they, they did American Factory, which was about. It's like, it's, it's political in like a small P kind of way. Yes, exactly. Uh, their ideas. And they also ex- uh, produced a documentary called Crip Camp, which is on Netflix. And it's about the disability rights movement in America, which I saw at Sundance and really recommend, mostly because I just didn't know anything about the disability rights movement in America. And it taught me a lot. But that to me makes more sense for Harry and Meghan, because if you're not on screen, then it there is some there is some distance and you can you're still doing more, quote, issues than making yourselves the celebrity and number one they seem to well they say that they don't want to be celebrities I mean that'll be an interesting thing right to see how much how much they don't want the attention versus how much they want the attention on their own terms but I just also I think if you are if you're talent and you're in the spotlight over all the time you kind of have less control you really have to work for it and I feel like producing gives them more flexibility I, th- I assume that's what they would do. Like, I just assume they would get the Obama deal, basically, of putting their, their name on stuff. But I think that if she wants to be an actress still, she needs to, like, I, I would have been like, you should she should work with Tom Hooper before Cats. Like, someone like that who's, like, fairly uncontroversial but makes, like, seemingly prestige type of fare. Or, like, someone like Julian Fellows but who's a better writer. Like, I feel like she needs to work with one of these, like, sort of soft British directors who will give her like something that serious critics can pay attention to, but is not controversial. I, it would be breathtaking if actually her goal in all of this is just to become an actor again and win an Oscar. Number one, it would be the most tremendous hustle of all time because in the span of what five years, she would have gone from being not even the lead on a goofy USA show, which many <laughs> people, including Juliet, like, and I don't mean to disrespect it, but it I just, say, it's not uh, really yeah, she's like the fourth best actor on that show behind Gabriel Macht and the woman who plays Jessica, whose name I'm blanking on, and the guy who plays Lewis Litt. Like, she's probably number four. And Suits is is wonderful, but it's not prestige TV. It's it's not a movie, so it can't beat the Oscars. But anyway, to go from Suits to then just join it, take over an entirely different country, and then within the span of five years, either honestly get a multi-million dollar Netflix producing deal or an Oscar is an incredible hustle. We just have to respect it. We really do. Because 
it is, it takes hard work and vision to make that happen. And I think in whatever she decides to do, she will be able to do it, especially with producing. But to do all of that in order to just like be in a Tom Hooper movie, which by the way, she should not be Megan. If you're listening, Tom Hooper does not have the record right now that we need. Don't, don't do Tom Hooper. I'm trying to think the way her Oscar. (laughs) That's true. But then Anne Hathaway just kind of had to hide for four years because everyone really didn't enjoy it that much. Did you like that? Les Oh yeah. I mean, as, as you know, the rehearsal video from their Oscar performance, my favorite video on the internet. So yeah, I liked it. Les Mis is really okay. hard to fuck up. And he, I, Russell Crowe wasn't my favorite, but like, other than that, I was like, this is good. Les Mis is great. I, I love Les Mis. There's something about the way Tom Hooper just films everything in such tight close-ups it's just your it's someone's in your face really screaming at you, scream singing at top <laughs> volume. I found that a little overwhelming. I also just can't recommend cats. Don't watch cats. Do yourself a favor in these troubled times. Don't watch cats. It's not even joke bad. I, I definitely I, I definitely will not be watching it. I never liked it. <laughs> I don't know. If anyway, if Meghan Markle becomes an actor after all this, again. And Harry is just like the guy on the red carpet. I will be fascinated. And I think in a lot of ways, delighted. And it will also never make sense to me. And, and I Costco feel like this Harry is, is my favorite Harry. I like Costco Harry where he's like wearing baggy Adidas pants and Harry outside of like extreme handling is obviously a very confused human. I would pay for like secret footage of him. I have no problem with Costco Harry. I think that's great. I think it's more like, why with everything in your power, are you just going to go back and be like the weird supporting lead in like a, you know, middle market focused features Oscar film? Like, I don't know why you would do that. You could do so many more cool things. And I like actors and I like movie stars, but come on. What do you think she could do? If she did a TV show, like, is there like a serialized option for her? I don't know. I'm sure there is. There's an option for everyone. We're going to talk about Quibi later. Oh, I just came up with it. I have an idea. I have an idea. Go, go. What if they remade, like, what if they expanded the Oceans universe and Steven Soderbergh came up with a show about like heists that are cool for Netflix and she's like stepped into like the test role, obviously Julia Roberts had that in the movies. I'm not saying she's anywhere near that level, but I feel like she could be the cool, smart, hot woman among like a gang of smart criminals. I like it. I also like that (laughs) the Tess role is a specifically good call. I mean, I wouldn't want her to be Tess. I would want them to create, you know, maybe she could, maybe she could be Bess, but especially in Ocean's 12, when they do one of my favorite all-time movie scenes, that's the very meta where Julia Roberts as Tess Plays is pretending Julia to be Julia yeah. Roberts. I, I wasn't in four weddings and a funeral, but you know, they're playing with the idea of movie stars and then Bruce Willis shows up and they're making fun of the fact that they're all in like Taos together. And so if Megan Marker were doing something that had a little bit of that meta quality and were kind of acknowledging all of the, the weirdness of this, I personally would enjoy that because it would, would help too. me with some of my like discombobulation, but I don't really think they're that type of people. And I think we'd be in the minority on that. 
I just don't like it's like every week when we start our pod with Meghan Markle, I'm just like, do people really want to hear about this? But the fact is they do. It's just weird. Do. I don't I don't yeah. know why she's I don't know why they're so captivating, but here we are. I don't know. Well, I think some of it is just, and this is kind of like, what should she do? There is what I would do in this situation, which is like none of this. I would not be an actor. I wouldn't be on Suits. I wouldn't marry Prince Harry. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do any of this versus what is, what she is doing that I don't understand and am fascinated by. And the second option is extremely entertaining. And me trying to understand it every week and not understanding it every week is a little bit why I'm interested in the royal family. Because the royal family is just a preposterous organization that I'm like, I can't believe this exists. And I can't believe everyone gets mad about whether you wear a hat or not to a meeting. But they do. And I want to know more. It's my reality TV. So I guess I like talking about her because I just, I don't understand. And I'm, I'm interested. And it's entertaining. So in that sense, I hope she wins an Oscar. Man, can you imagine the Oscar <laughs> show? If I would, can you imagine the Oscar season? I just got... Like my heart just started palpitating. We just talked ourselves into Meghan Markle, the actor. We're Amazing. back, baby. Congratulations to to Meghan Markle on her Academy Award. <sighs> Okie dokie. All right, let's talk about some of our quarantine celebrity highlights. But first, let's talk about Bud Light Seltzer. You've tried the new Bud Light Seltzer. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Try it against any other one, and I think you'll be pretty happy. Bud Light Seltzer is 5% alcohol, only 100 calories, and it tastes great. Also, from the same family as Bud Light Lemonade, premium light lager made with real lemonade for a refreshingly crisp taste. You know, Bud Light is reminding us to please stay home and to keep you and others safe. Bud Light Seltzer and Bud Light Lemonade both taste just as good hanging out on the couch or having virtual happy hour with your friends. To get beer delivered to your door, head to drizzly.com and first-time Drizzly users can use the promo code BUDLIGHT, one word, at checkout for $5 off. That's drizzly, D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and the promo code BUDLIGHT. All right, now more celebrities. Moving on, let's talk about Nicole Richie. She's a quarantine surprise to me. I'm watching Making the Cut, which is the like Project Runway knockoff, uh, which is said lovingly on Amazon, in which she's one of the judges. And I really like her on it. I'm shocked. She has good commentary. She seems to know what's up. And I- I'm just shocked. I've never like held her in high regard, perhaps unfairly. But I'm just like, wait, do I like Nicole Richie? I, meanwhile, have been watching. That's a, that's an exaggeration. I watched about two minutes total of Nicole Richie's Quibi show, which I believe is called Nikki Fresh. Though I have to be honest, I didn't write it down. So I'm going to open my Quibi wrap right now on my phone. It is called Nikki Fresh. I got it correct. What a name. I have always felt that Nicole Richie, after some, you know, brief missteps with Paris Hilton in the late aughts when she was working through her Hollywood, child of Hollywood complex, I have always liked Nicole Richie. I feel like she's a little bit in on the joke. She seems like she wants to have a a nice time and then not bother people. And I found the two minutes of the Quibi show that I watched to be pretty amusing. They're funny. It's like a parody of a making the band show where she is pitching her music career to her husband and and to his brother, to the Madden's brothers. Yes. So, but both Madden's are there. Um, Is she married to Joel or Benji? 
I honestly don't know. And that's why I just said she's pitching to the Madden brothers. Yeah. Cause I was like, she's married to one Cameron Diaz is married to the other. I honestly, they look very similar in the Quibi show. Uh, they were just kind of dressed the similar. same way, but it's nice that they're all still together and part of a family. And I support it. Anyway, she is like joke pitching them a music career where she's going to make music for, for plants so that plants can grow. Oh. And she, but it's, know. it's a, yes. She is married to Joel. Plus she's one married for to me. Joel. And it's a parody. So, she, but she's doing it really straight based and it is, it's very funny. I didn't feel that I needed to watch all of the five minute episode or the five minute episodes that came after that. It did have like a SNL sketch feel to it, but that's more Quibi's problem than Nicole Richie's problem, in my opinion. Sure. Yes, absolutely. I think I'm just shocked that Nicole Richie, who was like, the number two on the simple life and then married that guy from good Charlotte is like, has a really stable and successful career and long-term marriage. I mean, like these are just things I, I wouldn't have bet on in 2005. I definitely would have been like buying all the Misha Barton stock and I would have been wrong. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's a real shock. The other thing is I really like Nicole Richie's style. I haven't really investigated house of Harlow that much, which is her fashion brand. But based on the show, I like her. I mean, and obviously she's just making moves. She's doing stuff right now. I'm I'm pretty into it. I like to be surprised. I'm enjoying it. It's the she's the good hang for me right now. I it's, yeah, she is totally in she my, is a good hang. Yeah, she's in my worldview of it's we're making the best of this and trying to and being funny, but also making fun of ourselves. It's just funny that she's one of our quarantine MVPs. Who who could have thunk it? I never would have predicted it. You know, certainly happiness. Not me. Happiness comes in wild places right now. On to our next celebrity of note, Ina Garten. Amanda, you're an Ina Garten expert. Please take it away. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I heard from everyone in my life last week after Ina Garten posted a video to Instagram. It was about a two-minute video, and she posted it at, I believe, 6 a.m. East Coast. And she is making a Cosmo for quarantine it's cocktail it's quarantine cocktail hour essentially and she just makes the largest cosmo that you've ever seen and then pours it into like a giant martini glass basically this the size of her and you know is making some jokes about you never know who's stopping by who are we kidding no one's stopping by and you know any hour is happy hour and a lot of people Watch this video after not consuming a lot of Ina content. And I think also the 6 a.m. was like a key element in this in this firestorm because, you know, maybe don't drink a giant Cosmo at 6 a.m. But a lot of people were like, is Ina okay? And people on the Internet asked that and people in my personal life asked that. And I would just like to say, as a longtime disciple of Ina Garten, one of the very early Ina Garten disciples, I have to say, I don't really like doing that very much. But in this particular case, I'm going to. Ina's fine. Ina's making a joke. Ina's trying to have a little fun. And she also wants you to have a giant cocktail. And everybody, why don't you just take up the spirit of Ina and make a cocktail or a mocktail or whatever is your version of a cocktail that's healthy for you and make it in jumbo size and have a nice time. There we go. 
The social media policing, of which I'm definitely a part of when it comes to Bachelor Nation, is pretty irritating. It's just like everyone is just trying to get by. People are making mistakes left and right. Some are worse than others. Obviously, David Geffen, pretty egregious. Just like everything is just uh, heightened. But let's back off. Let's just let, let I in the garden live. Also, if you've watched her show, she doesn't really interact with a lot of people. Like, I know she has people over for dinner sometimes, like wonderful backyard picnic or luncheon or whatever. But she's really a solo operation. I'm not worried about her social distancing. It's just also everyone who's like, Ina is drinking a giant Cosmo at 6 a.m. Don't you know that videos are filmed ahead of time? Like, don't you understand how editing and content works? I, what are we doing here? Also, finally, just people who have not been paying attention to Ina for a decade and then now we're going to jump on this wagon. I'm, no, it, there's no room for you. It's just me and the chicken stock that I'm going to make later according to Ina's recipe because I learned over many years. So that's where I am. I, I, I agree with you. Um, whatever. Live your life, Ina Garten. Next social media person is Jake Gyllenhaal made the rounds doing like a challenge that after he did it really took off. It's basically like a buff guys challenge. And, um, he does like, he did like a handstand against the wall and like put a shirt on and he was wearing a tie dyed Russ and daughters shirts. And the whole thing was just very, I don't want to say odd. Cause it's honestly what I've come to expect from Jake Gyllenhaal over these years, but it was just like eccentric. I'm always surprised when I'm reminded of how eccentric he is because he doesn't, he's not out in the world and on social media all of the time. And then you kind of get some of the real capital A actor energy from him. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're that guy. I also thought this was interesting because the challenge I believe started with Tom Holland, who is yeah. the, the young gentleman who plays Superman and who I think is quite adorable. But Tom Holland was in Spider-Man, the second one, whatever with Jake Gyllenhaal. And so he challenged Jake Gyllenhaal, but I think it was like this challenge was happening on the teen internets and then it made its way to grown up internet with Jake Gyllenhaal. And it was very interesting to see that transition. And then suddenly like a bunch of fashion people were doing the, the challenge and Alison Roman was challenged to do it. I love you, Alison Roman. I hope you're healthy. I'm trying to eat more anchovies because of you. Um, can we talk about Alison Roman for a second? I just can't. I find the Alison Roman, like, Hive. And, and I, I mean, I don't mean this as shots at you in, in any way at, at, at all. I just find the like Allison Roman lifestyle has become like a proxy for something else that I find so off-putting that it makes me like have a vendetta against Allison Roman, who I don't know at all and really like her recipes. But the sort of like the, the name checking and like references on social media and in like just conversations with almost every woman I know drives me insane. It's like become like a weird kind of monoculture that like just drives me bonkers. No, I think this is really insightful to me. There's often, I find this a lot. There's a distinction between a popular thing and the fans of the popular thing. And yeah. I find more often than not that I am responding or reacting or responding really negatively to the fans of the thing. Um, my friend Marissa Meltzer wrote an essay called Unfluencers, which was yeah. about this idea of once you see a lot of people glomming on to a thing, number one, it makes it feel less special to you. You're reminded that you are just like another basic person whose tastes are not your own and, and 
everything that you tried to carve out for yourself as an identity is just kind of being sold to you, which is definitely true on the Alison Roman thing and, and, and many other, certainly all my tastes, but it is just also everyone interprets things slightly differently. And so you're enjoying this, this product or this recipe or this movie or whatever on your terms. And then you're watching other people respond to it very differently and it can make you feel very icky. And I deeply relate to that. I just find it sort of like it's it's become like a there's just like always different waves of of like recipe life, I think. And because everyone's home and like looking to be occupied and baking and cooking is a good way to spend your time. It's like coming to focus even more. But this is definitely pre-quarantine. Like this is like a 2020 Q1 explosion of Allison Roman that I don't know, for some reason just drives me crazy. I just feel like it's very similar to like owning a specific bag or a specific shirt is like saying you're making like an Alison Roman recipe. And like, if you're not, you're not part of like this cool trend. I don't know. Why, why does it set me off so much? Yeah. I do not know. No, it's definitely an aesthetic and cultural signifier that a lot of people have latched onto as way to like quote, say something by themselves. And it definitely predates uh, the coronavirus. I definitely, I, that's why I said earlier when I was like, this is millennial pink, someone who learned yeah. about beans from Alison Romans, but there's a difference between someone who learned about beans from Alison Roman and Alison Roman herself. And I have to sure. say some of Alison Roman's success is that she is so good at Instagram and she makes it look good. And she knows both how to, you know, photograph and stage all of her recipes and her kitchen. And she, I don't know how she has found so many shades of lipstick that look great on her. And I, I don't mean to say that to reduce her genuine talents as a, as a cook and a recipe developer, but it's like, that's part of the package. And by the way, she looks great. And I don't know how to do that at all. So she is selling that aesthetic as well, because that's what you have to do now. I don't hold it against her. I hold it against people who define themselves by it. And I really, I guess an extension, I hold I don't like anyone who like can only define themselves by uh, their association to a specific thing that's not them. I find that kind of depressing. But for some reason, I find it like intolerable. I don't I don't know why. It's just it's like I think it's a I think it's just because I keep hearing people like name checker as some kind of like I don't I don't know what it is. And I also did I offend you? I really didn't mean to. I didn't mean this no, directed at you absolutely. in any way. No, absolutely not at all. I, if I didn't communicate the distinction earlier, I really meant to. <laughs> Um, there, no, you did. There I two- just, I, sometimes I'm just, you know, I'm like, am I being crazy? Who knows? Well, there are two things here. No, this is interesting. Let's just keep talking about it. Number one, you don't like cooking. So that's a valid thing. Sure. Um, but there is an underlying kind of domestic goddessness and, um, about cooking and caregiving and kind of quote traditionally female roles that are here being reclaimed and in a different way. But I do sometimes stop and wonder like when I'm talking about how much cooking I'm doing, I'm like, am I just, you know, some sort of retro like idiot because I have other pursuits and dimensions. I'm also working a lot for the record. I'm working and I'm cooking. So I I can, I feel a slight 
discomfort. Again, not with Alison Roman herself and not with her recipes, which I just really think are great. And if I could, I'd really like to plug a smoked trout dip recipe from Alison Roman's Bon Appetit days. If you can, if you mm. like smoked trout, it keeps That's for a great. while. If you can get access to it, really great stuff. But I, I, I sometimes feel a little discomfort about it because one, it becomes this conversation about how you think of yourself and what you project to the world and what your goals are it can feel a little old school. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. I, there's just something about it that it's like trying to communicate. So I don't know what it is. It's something that sets me off. I think there's also just the, when something becomes like, so, um, homogenous in terms of like, or, or there's like a critical sort of like groundswell with some behind something. I'm just sort of like, how did everyone get this memo? And like, why? And I, I guess it's like worth interrogating. Maybe we'll keep talking about this in the future. Who yeah. knows? I mean, it is in that case. I just really think it's Instagram and it's the same reason that Airbnb right. all look the same. Right. But I actually don't know what Alison Roman looks like. I actually didn't know that she was like an Instagram phenomenon as well. But like you said, I don't cook. So I'm like, not, I'm not in this yeah. scene really. Yeah. I'm going to look her up right now. Should we move on after I've had an outburst? I don't think that was an outburst. I think that was interesting, you know, (laughs) and I think everyone should do what is good for them. And if you like cooking, that's great. And if you like beans, and by the way, if you just learned about beans from Alison Rowan, I do love beans. That's great. I mean, we should all be learning and growing, right? And then just maybe (laughs) being a little more self-aware in our, in our actual lives and in our social media lives. That's what I got. Agreed. Okay, next, talking about sparking joy and learning. Um, John Krasinski has been doing for now two weeks his new YouTube show called Some Good News, SGN. It has a charming logo, presumably drawn by his two daughters. Um, this week, Emily Blunt, his wife, made an appearance. Um, and most importantly, he surprised a young girl named Aubrey who was supposed to go see Hamilton on stage and she couldn't because of the coronavirus um, quarantine that's taken over most of the nation. And so he assembled the entire original Broadway company to sing the opening number from Hamilton. And I uh, actually had a tip. I knew this was coming. I had heard about it. And like, I then was like checking for it day after day. And I was so excited Um, it was the first thing I watched when I woke up yesterday morning on Monday and I cried alone in my bed at like 7 35 AM. And it made me think about how the last good year was 2015 and like all the good things ended in 2015, but after another day and it was really great. And I've had to completely revise my personal stance on John Krasinski, which was more or less anti. And now I'm very pro because I think some good news is really sweet. A lot to unpack here. I'm going to skip right past 2015 was the last good year because we're in the, we're going to try to find some joy. We're going to find joy in the Hamilton reenactment. I also thought that this was very charming and, you know, I mean, it's just very sweet that they found a nine-year-old and she gets to see the thing. Um, But I really dig this celebrity stuff. I don't know how sustainable it is. And I've been thinking a lot about what happens when we like are hopefully back to, if not normal, then um, a more outside the home life. And specifically, and again, this is probably the eight billionth most important question, but what do celebrities do? Because they're now, we're getting an unvarnished extra level of access to them. And, and a lot of 
celebrities had been resistant to that before now because they had traditional mediums, whether it was magazines or whether it was a Disney documentary about elephants or what have you in order to connect with people. And now everyone's just kind of going direct to social media. And that was already happening, I think, ahead of time. But there's been this magical shift. And I find it really charming. Another example was uh, Matthew McConaughey just uh, called bingo for a group of uh, senior citizens having a Zoom bingo night. And it's just Matthew McConaughey yelling Zoom. And I was like, well, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And I didn't even get to play bingo. I just watched it. But how do you go back from that to I will only talk to you in this glossy like Vogue profile or whatever? I don't know. And that doesn't really matter. And maybe we won't. And maybe this is just now how we interact with people now is on their weird Zoom camera when they're all just bringing the group chat live to you in order to sing the first song from Hamilton. I know. It's just like there's such a more direct relationship. Like when you also like even with friends, like you wanted to come and talk to someone, you just call them. You're, it's like not like make let's make plans. Like I will talk to you in two weeks. And they're like, nah, well, I'll just talk now. Um, it's a great point. It's like, how do you go back to dealing with all the handlers and, and all of the apparatus when that's been stripped back. It's pretty remarkable seeing the late night shows like continue to do stuff because that is so stripped down. I will say it's like, I miss the high end look of television, but like, I appreciate having all the content, but I'm like, you know, there's a reason why production happens in person, but, um, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Like, obviously I think one of the big questions of life right now is like, what does, what will change and how will things change in the future? I don't know. I hadn't thought about it as related to celebrities, but you're right. Like we have, they're just sort of taking the range for themselves and doing what they want. And I don't want to go back on that. It's great. Yeah. I mean, that's the interesting thing is that at some point it changes what we expect of celebrities. And listen, there are cycles to everything. And I think in the same way that, um, you know, when it's safe, hopefully we'll all have a response to the, to the larger world. I think probably after a while of watching people zoom in, we will all feel the same way that you feel about production values and just be like, wouldn't it be really nice if we could just see like Brad Pitt rolling around in another national park? And the answer is yes, it would be. But it is, it's just interesting to think about how quickly our expectation of, uh, you know, of famous people and really just how to communicate with, with each other. And and I do kind of feel that celebrity in a lot of ways is um, a reflection of how we all communicate and what we expect of each other has changed. Totally. And I'm really enjoying it. Who else are you enjoying right now? Well, we got to talk about Florence Pugh. Okay. So let me just say, I am enjoying Florence Pugh always and forever. And I think that, uh, I think that she was tremendous in Little Women. I think she's great in every movie she's in. I just really like her energy and I have really been enjoying, sorry to bring it back to cooking Juliet, but she has been cooking on Instagram and I just want to say, it, I don't have a problem with cooking. I did a TikTok recipe this morning, so it's not, it's not. Wait, could I, could we hear more about the TikTok recipe, please? Yeah, you've probably seen it. It's like a, it's like a, a viral TikTok meme where you like just put eggs into a pot, into a, a pan, you let them cook. And as they've almost settled, you drop a tortilla on top of it and then flip it over and then like put cheese and bacon in the middle and then um, put it in half. And then you've made a breakfast quesadilla. Oh, wow. I'll send you the link. It was great. Took about, I mean, that's took about seven minutes. It was great. (laughs) That sounds delicious. 
I actually had not seen that and I have not yet gotten to the TikTok recipe section of TikTok, but believe you me, that's what I'm going to do when this podcast is over. Florence is doing a more traditional setting the phone up and just cooking and talking. And it's sure it's she clearly cooked before this, but it's also, you know, not professional or anything. It's lo-fi and she's like talking about her feelings, but she's also a performer. So it has a lot of energy. I've really enjoyed it. It has not escaped the internet's notice that she is doing all of these videos from Zach Braff's kitchen. Yeah. And (laughs) she's just, she is dating Zach Braff. And I believe in everybody's ability to choose for themselves. So we support her, but I did think it was notable. It was apparently Zach Braff's birthday this week. And she posted a happy birthday to Zach Braff on Instagram. And she disabled the Instagram comments because Florence Pugh is also aware of how certain people on the internet feel about her relationship with Zach Braff. So again, I want what's best for Florence Pugh and I've been enjoying the content and I, I think I'll just be monitoring the situation. I like, um, I like a kind of uh, zany British woman, similar, Mm -hmm. like in the Sophie Turner vein. And I feel like Florence Pugh is there. And I also kind of enjoy it. I like her more as a celebrity than I do as an actress. Wow. That's a really, really bold statement. What are you basing that on? Little Women. She once like wore this green dress that she like ripped at the beginning of the event and then like continued to wear for the rest of the night. She's like literally messy. Like her clothes rip when she's like on the red carpet. She seems like kind of, she just seems like she kind of like goes with it. And I honestly, her, I did not see Midsommar, Midsommar, too scary for me. I saw Little Women. I liked her. I mean, she played Amy, so it's hard to really get behind her. Um, And that's the extent of my, of my exposure to her. It's a it's a pretty justice for Amy performance. But what you're saying is more that you're just you're very pro her real life persona. Yeah. More than you're against her acting persona. Yeah. Other than Mead Somar and did I say it right? And little women. I have no idea. I, you did great. What else is she famous for? She was in a small movie called Lady Macbeth, which I believe is now on streaming. She was in Fighting with My Family. Oh, I want to see that. Which I watched in an airplane, which is kind of like a good airplane versus like watching at home seems like a good one to one for me. And I honestly didn't have the worst time. And she's been in a few other bit parts. She's going to be in Black Widow later this year. She's joining the Marvel Eh, Universe. Let's say 2021 at this point. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, well. Sorry. Right. You know what? I'm she's just cooking. Trying to she's positivity. Good. I'm trying to talk about cooking. I'm trying to talk about people I love. I'm trying to talk about uh, trying new things, whether it's quibby or beans. I love beans, just to be clear. And I, another another thing I also like to cook is this tomato and white bean recipe that is not Allison Roman. Everyone says, oh, the Allison Roman one. It is not. It's just like literally crushed tomato, white beans, garlic, an oil in a pot, and then you like blend it up with a hand blender. It's really delicious. I recommend it. Oh, and some broth. I want to say that that Allison Roman white bean and tomato recipe with the spices is also very good. It looks really good. I don't have a like you said. It's not anti Allison Roman. It's anti the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> we'll keep sussing this out. Oh man, I have to say, you know, get get involved in recipe TikTok. Jason Derulo is a big part of recipe TikTok. What is Jason Derulo making on recipe TikTok? They're like fake recipes, but he makes these like candy concoctions where he like throws stuff into a pan, but then he does behind the scenes for them as well. It's really weird. 
I don't know. Let me tell you what what pisses me off is all these people being like, now I got to mock this nice, safe space on the internet that I've been enjoying for a long time. I love recipe internet. You know, I don't need joke candy recipes. I'm just going to be cooking things in my kitchen. I can't think of a celebrity worse aligned with like your sensibility and interest than Jason Derulo. He's not for you. I will say, though, Jason Derulo was the best part of the truly terrible film Cats, which I do not recommend. He was talented. He man. was good at it. Talented mm-hmm. man. I like him partially because there's so much vitriol, but I also just think he is talented, like legitimately. He's got he's got some bangers. And he seems fun. He also, per his uh, social media, is really rich, just wearing like really expensive stuff all the time. OK, <laughs> well, that's great. Amanda, it's great to talk to you. We'll be back next week, as always. Royal watch and, and celebrity watch as always. Have a great week, and everyone. And recipe watching, Juliet. And recipe watch, literally watching. 